Today's podcast is brought to you by Howie's new book, Paperboy. To order today, go to HowieCarshow.com and click on store. Live from the Aviva Trattoria studio, it's the Grace Curley Show. we got to bring in a new voice, a young voice, a rising voice, Grace Curley. You can read Grace's work in the Boston Herald and the Spectator. Especially, Grace, Grace, stand up. Here's the millennial with the mic, Grace Curley. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curley Show. I am so excited... I'm always excited to have Mark Salinas from Silva and Salinas on because he can give us such insight into so many of the legal battles that are currently going on. But today in particular, it's it's very convenient to have Mark on the show because, Mark, you are representing Donald Trump on the ballot commission case in Massachusetts, and you have a lot of news to report on this front. Can you give us an overview of what's going on? Yeah, thanks. That's correct. So there's a big win yesterday at the uh, State Ballot Law Commission. We were able to deliver a unanimous decision on behalf of Donald Trump that uh, he will remain on the ballot here in Massachusetts, um, pending any appeal, of course. But I mean, that's just a huge development. And we're very, very happy for the outcome, not only for Donald Trump, but for the voters of Massachusetts, Grace, because really that's what this comes down to. Why should we be taking the choice away from voters here in Massachusetts to make their own decisions? So regardless of what side of the aisle you're on on this case, what I've found from, from people on both sides is that they didn't like the idea of Donald Trump being removed from the ballot. That is certainly uh, good news, Mark. Um, Another story that I wanted to get your take on today has to do with Kevin Morris. And Jonathan Turley wrote a piece on this, and he kind of talked about how it's hard to figure out what Kevin Morris really was to Hunter Biden. He's a friend. He's a creditor. He's a lawyer. He's a lover of art. He was buying a lot of Hunter's artwork. And he also paid off $5 million dollars in taxes for Hunter Biden, which he's now saying um, he expects him to pay back. As someone who is a lawyer who's been involved in this profession, could these could these raise red flags for people looking at this case? I mean, is it normal to have someone loaning someone five million dollars and also being I, I keep seeing descriptions of him as Hunter Biden's ally are there uh, problems with this? And does Kevin Morris have reasons to be worried? I, I can't stand this story because this is the type of thing that gives lawyers a bad name. And it's hard enough as it is being a lawyer at family dinners. But then I have to hear stories like this. You, absolutely. There are ethics commissions. There are ethics rules. And one of the basic ones is that lawyers cannot pay bills for their clients. They cannot obtain a financial interest in the cases or their businesses uh, without all sorts of disclosures here. So even if one one hundredth of what is being alleged is true, uh, this would give any lawyer serious concerns about ethics violations. I mean, it's alleged that he basically loaned massive amounts of money to Hunter Biden and then also allegedly, of course, purchased all sorts of his art and didn't pay the full amount of commissions and sort of used that debt as an in-kind contribution to pay back the loans that he had given to Hunter Biden. The whole thing stinks, and it's just, it's really frustrating. It's bad enough to hear of all the problems with the, with the Biden family and the corruption, but when you see lawyers getting involved in it, it's really disheartening, and I hate to see it. 
And also, Mark, when you know that this lawyer, uh, Kevin Morris, and maybe he is just a really good friend of Hunter Biden, maybe they, they've de- developed this friendship and they just really like each other. But when you know that Hunter Biden's father has such a powerful position, I have to imagine that that brings in some ethical issues as well. Is you know, are you, are you helping this person out of the goodness of your heart, which is what he's really trying to claim here, uh, because you're just concerned about him and you've developed this friendship? Or is it something sort of political contribution. Right. And it's the optics of the whole thing. I mean, apparently he is a massive Democratic donor as well. And this has been the problem that has plagued the Biden administration throughout the last three years, now going on four years, is this influence peddling scheme that seems to be surrounding every member of the family. And this includes Hunter Biden. And now it's, it seems to be bringing in Kevin Morris as well. It wants to be everything to Hunter Biden. He wants to be his lawyer. He wants to be his friend. He wants to be his advisors, but not play by the rules of what a lawyer is required to play by. And that's just what's really troubling about it. And I want to read you a little bit from the New York Post, Mark, because this is breaking news, but we're getting more information about the testimony that Kevin Morris gave to Congress. And he's very flippant, I find. And maybe it's not as serious a situation as it reads, but Morris 60 claimed that he is fuzzy on many details about his financial relationship with President Biden's son, including the precise amount the lawyer is owed. But he acknowledged that the first son's at least $5 million debt to him begins to come due in 2025. And this is what he said. You know, as any creditor, as any note holder, if the provisions of default are, you know, if they're in default under the note, yeah, the holder has an option to enforce it. You could do a number of things, Morris said. They can come over and wash your car for the rest of their life, he added, of Hunter. And that's when Representative Andy Biggs from Arizona shot back, or you can forgive the loan. And he replied, right. Do you think, based off that response and based off the way he's handling this, is this just not as serious a situation as I would think it is? Or is is his arrogance getting in the way of it? Like, would you handle this in the way that Kevin Morris is? Uh, you know what? I'm fuzzy on a lot of things in my life, Grace, but if I had loaned you $5 million and I was <laughs> depending upon you to wash my car to pay it off, I, I, I would have concerns and I would have concerns about what that looks like. So, yes, I think it, it sounds like arrogance to me. And this is going to be a problem. Again, it has to be a problem for Kevin Morris. And what's really going on here is that it sounds like what they're trying to do is call a gift a loan so that that way it doesn't have IRS implications. Because you can see the problem that's developing here is it's alleged that the money was given to Hunter Biden, loaned to pay off the IRS. However, if the loan is forgiven within a short amount of time, or if it was never really was a loan, now Hunter Biden has another problem compounding with the IRS. So you got to wonder when the House of Cards is just going to fall on all these people. I wouldn't want to be in Kevin Morris's shoes, for sure. Yeah, and I'm speaking with Mark Salinas from Silva and Salinas. The other part of this that I think would raise red flags for anyone, and I'd be curious if um, if it did this for you, Mark, is the the artwork element of it. You know, beyond the gifts and the loans, then all of a sudden you find out that Kevin Morris is so interested in this artwork by Hunter Biden. And don't forget, he just started painting a few years ago. He hasn't been at this his whole life. And he's willing to shell out like $40,000 for a piece of art from this guy. 
I have to imagine that if you're looking into this case and you're investigating it, that that for people raises a red flag because the art world can be a hotbed for money laundering. Right. It sounds like a total scam. It absolutely does. And you know what? The the art world, whether or not you're aware of this, it's always an issue and something that the, that the IRS has their eye on because there's a way you can inflate the cost of art and use it to manipulate the, the, the flow of currency. So if you think about it, anybody could loan Hunter Biden any amount of money that they wanted. Have Hunter Biden draw a picture of a park bench in New York City and sell it for any amount of money to pay off the debt. At what point are you going to look at this and say that doesn't pass the giggle test and there's got to be repercussions here? But then, you know, the other problem now is that what is the IRS doing about it? Are they going to look into this and are they going to hold Hunter Biden accountable the way you'd expect the IRS to hold any other citizen in the country liable for their debts? Yes, that's that's a very good point. Mark Salinas, my my final question for you. I'd love for you to tell us what you're thinking of this Fannie Willis case. The New York Post describes it and the, the recent updates about Nathan Wade's divorce as having the potential to derail this election fraud case, which obviously so many Democrats have pinned their hopes and dreams on. It's it's a get Trump idea that could disappear very soon. Um, what do you make of this case and the updates we have about the divorce documents. Again, this is from the Post. It says, evidence of Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's relationship with Nathan Wade, the special prosecutor bringing the election fraud charges, is included in the file in the form of credit card charges for trips the pair took together to Florida and California. Is this enough to derail this case, the fact that the DA hired her paramour to be the lead prosecutor and paid him substantially more than the other people involved? Yes, it does have the potential to derail the case. It may not make the case go away in its entirety, but it could be a total reset button here. I mean, again, this is the optics, and every everybody seems to be shaking their head about this. From what I understand, Fannie Willis was a, a respected prosecutor, but she didn't really have any experience in the political world. But you don't need experience in the political world to have common sense. You can't be in a romantic relationship with a special prosecutor that you hire to prosecute Donald Trump. And for you listeners that don't know, a special prosecutor is somebody that comes in outside of the office. And usually you're looking for the best of the best in the criminal in the criminal prosecution world, whether or not you're a defense lawyer or a former prosecutor. Apparently, Nathan Wade is a personal injury lawyer with little to no experience prosecuting felony criminal charges, and he's romantically involved with the district attorney in charge of the prosecution. So there's conflicts of interest everywhere here, not the least of which that any prosecutor in any county or state, those line ADAs are supposed to be expected to exercise their own independent discretion on prosecuting cases, regardless of what the overall policy of the office is. So the DA Fannie Willis, she sets the policy. Nathan Wade is supposed to exercise independent discretion. How is he going to exercise independent discretion when he's in, if he's in a romantic relationship with his boss? That's a real problem. And what's your response, Mark, to the claims that Wade was um, basically restructuring his law firm in order to lower his net worth? Uh, how serious is that? And is that going to come into play here as well? 
So if that's something that he was doing in the context of the divorce case, that any lawyer that's going through a divorce needs to be very, very careful about how they report their finances because you are signing documents under the penalties of perjury. And as a lawyer, you can't get jammed up on a perjury scandal because then your credibility goes completely out the window. So if this continues to snowball in the direction that it seems to be, we may find ourselves in a position where Nathan Wade has to conclude that he has to withdraw from the prosecution, which then would be the proverbial derailment of the case. Lastly, Mark, I wanted to ask you about this Supreme Court decision that's getting um, a lot of attention. They decided by a 5-4 majority that federal officials had the right to remove physical barriers erected by the Texas National Guard. What happens next in this case? So the problem here is, right, it's essentially saying that Joe Biden and his policy can stand. So if he if his policy is that the, you know there's going to be basically no enforcement at the border, then there's not going to be any enforcement at the border. So we're going to have to see how this plays out. But it's certainly not good for the American people in trying to control the situation at the border, which by all stretches is out of control. Mark Salinas from Silva and Salinas, can you let people know where they can reach you if they have any questions and they want to get your expertise? Sure. We have offices in Salem and North Andover, Massachusetts. If you want to learn more about our firm, sslawteam.com. And Mark is dead on the money about immigration being a huge issue right now. And actually, when we come back, we'll talk about a new Harvard poll that suggests that it is now surpassing inflation as voters' number one concern. It's usually, uh, you know, it's the economy stupid is is the old expression that people go by. And but for a long time, I've been seeing this immigration issue and I've been thinking this has the potential. And I, I give a lot of credit to DeSantis and to Greg Abbott and to other Republican political leaders who have been holding these sanctuary cities feet to the fire. I think that's why this has now surpassed the economy as far as the number one issue for voters, because now voters are being forced to understand how serious the problem is because it's in their backyard. We'll talk about that when we come back. We'll take your calls. Thank you, Mark Salinas. 844-500-4242. This is The Grace Curley Show. Follow Grace on Twitter at G underscore Curley. This is The Grace Curley Show. Why are you guys making it easier for people to enter the country illegally? I believe we are. Why do you think we are? Well, you guys sued to cut razor wire that was put in place by Texas officials. So that the Border Patrol could actually do their jobs. Wait, wait, you don't want there to be razor wire protecting the border or securing the border so that Border Patrol agents can do their jobs. I'm confused. And why does it feel like Peter Ducey is the one commanding this room? Like, they're always asking him questions. Oh, Peter, why don't you tell us and and tell us about your favorite president? Aren't you supposed to be the ones with the answers? Like, since when did this happen where Peter Ducey's always in the hot seat? Does razor wire work? Does razor wire work for what? Does it work for the Border Patrol to allow them to have the access they need to be able to 
uh, to better process people that are uh, trying to get across the border? I don't think so. And that's why we asked for it to be removed. Make that one make sense to me. The razor wire was preventing Border Patrol from keeping people from coming into the border. How does that make sense? And why is he always asking so many questions? Aren't you at some point supposed to have answers? He just keep going. Well, you won in court. So now what? The Border Patrol Union president is saying the Supreme Court's decision is going to undoubtedly encourage more illegal immigration. Do you guys know better than the Border Patrol Union? The Border Patrol needed access, and that's why we sued to get rid of that uh, razor wire, so that they could do their jobs. They have no and idea what they're doing. You know what doing. would also help them do their jobs, Peter? More Border Patrol agents. There's an idea. And if no, you go back to the no, supplement- hold on. I disagree. I disagree. I don't think that if you're if you have people's hands tied and you're not letting people do their jobs, I don't think the answer is more of those people. Like, oh, yeah, we have Border Patrol agents making sandwiches and giving fist bumps to people just walking, waltzing across the border. Let's add a couple more. No. Why don't you let the ones who are there do their jobs? Let's have quality over quantity. And I'm, I, I'm not insulting the Border Patrol agents, but what good is it to have more of them if they're not allowed to enforce the law, if their hands are tied? And that's how dumb they think people are. We just heard this recently. Who was just giving this? Oh, of course, Representative Dan Goldman was telling this to a mother whose whose daughter had died of a fentanyl overdose. He was saying, you know, well, if, you know, if you want to secure the border, then you must agree that we need more Border Patrol agents. And it's like they, they set up these false things. Oh, if you think this, then you have to agree with this statement. No, I don't, actually. I don't have to agree with that. In the same way... That I can be, for example, supportive of the police, and it doesn't mean I have to go along with your $100 billion pork boondoggle. Like, no, you, it, it's not the same thing. Well, if you support the police or if you support the Border Patrol, you have to sign this blank check to give us everything we want so we can study the genders of mice in Pakistan. No, I don't think I do, actually. You know what helped the Border Patrol? Not having so many damn people overrunning them. Have we thought about that? Maybe they might be able to process people if they weren't coming in a million at a time. Well, I don't know. The The biggest problem that the Biden administration has with the border is the razor wire. That's what they're focusing on. This administration is such a disaster. 844-500-4242. I see people on the lines want to talk about Hunter Biden. We will get to that. We're going to talk about Hunter when we come back. We're going to talk about Kamala Harris. She did an interview with CNN. And this woman from CNN was just slobbering all over Kamala Harris. And what a brilliant, brilliant woman she is. We will talk about that. We'll do the poll question and so much more. Don't go anywhere. It's the Grace Curly Show. Does razor wire work? Live from the Aviva Trattoria Studio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Grace Curly Show. A texter just wrote in, our Border Patrol agents are more like Walmart door greeters at this point. And it's not their fault. Like, that's the part of this that I want to be very clear on. It's not their fault. 
There's only so much they can do when you have a president and an administration that seems really determined to do nothing when it comes to protecting our border and creating this false equivalency with people where, oh, well, if you want to protect our border, then that must mean that you have to support hiring more Border Patrol agents. And I I just don't think that that's an honest argument to make here because most people are looking at what they're seeing and going, well, maybe if you just let the people who are already on the border do their jobs, we wouldn't have this problem. But the only time this administration is ever animated or ever motivated to do anything is if they think that someone, some uh, governor or National Guard has found a way around their incompetence and found a way to maybe actually secure the border, at least temporarily, then they get really, really energized and they really start to care. Otherwise, you wouldn't even know that they're aware that there is a border to protect. The only time they're aware of the border is if someone like Greg Abbott or like the Texas National Guard figures out a way to do their jobs, despite all of the incompetence from the Biden administration. That's the only time that you'd even know that they care at all. 844-500-4242. Another story that I want to get to here beyond immigration is Kamala Harris, because she is the border czar, And we haven't really heard from her in a while. Can we do a little where in the world is Kamala Harris, Jared? Because I haven't talked to the VP in quite some time. Freedom! Kamala Harris. All right, so Kamala Harris was being interviewed by Laura Coates. And Jared, I don't know which quote this is or or which cut this is, but Laura Coates asked, she said, I'm struck just in your presence. Do we have that one where she's just... Um, I didn't grab that, but I can cue it up. Okay, she's fawning over Kamala Harris in this portion of an interview. It says, Vice President Kamala Harris uh, was interviewed by Laura Coates from CNN. And during the interview, she, she said she was struck just in your presence and watched her on stage with your passion that you were displaying and talking about so many issues. And, and here's part of the thing that the media cannot understand. They can't grasp. They can't understand how the American people aren't loving Kamala Harris. And her poll numbers are so dire. Like they, she actually, in a way... She was a great insurance policy for Joe Biden because she's so bad that she makes him seem maybe not so bad. And that's really impressive when you look at Joe Biden and you look at his mental acuity and what he's able to do. I mean, I was just reading today that he was at a Q&A with the mayor's conference and he had a script with him again, which we've seen that happen before. But you have to be really, really bad to make Joe look good. So this was Laura Coates just fawning over Kamala Harris. Let me ask you one more question. It, I'm struck just in your presence. The I was watching you on stage, watching the reactions from the crowd, mm-hmm. looking you in the eye with your passion that you were displaying and talking about so many issues. And yet you hear candidates suggesting that a vote for President Biden because of his age is somehow a vote for you, and that is hurled as an insult. 
it's intended to demonstrate some negative viewpoint towards you. What is your reaction to this thought that with your background in particular, with your career, that there is some thought that you are incapable? Can I, can we pause? I want to hear Kamal Harris's response. But what a setup to a question. 45 seconds. 45 seconds. And I'm not even time. really quite sure what she said. And I've I've been guilty of this. I set up a question sometimes. It takes me a while. So I, I'm, I understand here that I'm living in a glass house. But you're on a live radio show. This is a pre-taped interview. They, they, they could have spliced this up any, way, any which way they wanted. That's the best they could come up with. She's really, she's so afraid to ask the question. You know, sometimes you just got to ask, why doesn't anybody like you? Well, wh- why are your approval numbers so low? Why do people think you're doing such a bad job? But they're all so afraid of like b- being canceled, I guess, or, or the media turning on them and saying, you know, how dare you? Or maybe it's that you'll, you'll be accused of sexism if you say, hey, your approval numbers stink. That's and and that would be the tactic to go with, because if you just reference a poll, I don't think you can get in much trouble for that. Like it wouldn't be Laura Coates deciding the people don't like her you could just say hey there was a new poll out there was this new rasmussen poll that shows that only x amount of people think you're doing a good job can you respond to that but instead you get this long whiny like oh you know you're so great and i just can't fathom how people aren't loving you so i want to hear kamal harris's response well i i think that um most women who have risen in their profession who are leaders in their profession have had similar experiences. Mm. Um, I was the first woman to be elected district attorney. I was the first woman to be elected attorney general of the state of California. And I'm the first woman to be vice president. And I love my job. <laughs> Oof. I would say she was trying to blame ah. sexism, but... Yeah, I guess it was a toss-up. Was she going to blame racism or sexism? And I think this is a problem for Kamala Harris because, listen, you're going to get criticism. And, and if you want to say the criticism about your outfits or about whatever, if you want to say that's sexist, maybe maybe you can make that argument. Like, listen, that has nothing to do with my job performance. But she's getting a lot of criticism for real things. Like, she gives real non-answers to questions. She says really dumb things that are word salads that make no sense. She's part of an administration that has very low approval ratings. She's part of an administration. She's the border czar, and the border is overrun. So there are actual things that people can point to and say, you suck at this, you suck at this, you suck at this. And so to turn around and go, oh, it's a criticism because I'm a woman. I'm a woman, and I get criticized and a lot of the criticism I get is actually pretty valid, Jared. I get criticism on the text line. You know this all day long. A lot of the criticism I get, I think about it and I go, that's actually true. I did cut that person off. I do over, you know, I, I do this, I do that. And I try to make it a little better. Occasionally you get a criticism and you go, I don't need to pay attention to that. That's just somebody being nasty. But to write off everything that people are saying about you as they're being sexist, you're doing yourself a disservice. Because you're not getting any better. You're Somehow she's gotten worse over the last four years. Yeah, I think it's more based in empirical data and having eyes with which you can see and having a brain with which you can understand what's happening here. That's why she's unpopular. And, and it's responses like this one. Let's have cut 10. This is a response 
And this is part of the reason she gets so many critiques from people. Cut 10. He is attacking you and President Biden for election interference. He believes what, what the Justice Department is doing is only attributed to you, but also is election interference. What is your reaction to those who believe his statements? Okay, well, let's start with the facts. You just outlined them. So actually, I don't need to repeat them um, in terms of what pause, has... Pause there. How embarrassing for CNN. Well, you just answered the question for me because you're so afraid that I won't be able to answer it myself. And you just made the case against Donald Trump because you guys are an anti-Trump network that really, I don't have to say anything at all. You just did all the work for me. That's so embarrassing as a journalist. Like if I had somebody on and it was supposed to be some sort of tough interview and they said, well, Grace, you just made the case for me. I don't have to answer that. You're not doing a good job. Can I have cut 11? This is again Kamala Harris. They're talking about the DOJ and the Biden administration. Cut 11. But what about the accusation that that it is Biden's DOJ that is overseeing any of the charges against him? Well, listen, everyone who is paying close attention understands that there is a clear and and, and non-negotiable division in terms of the separation between our administration and what the Department of Justice does in terms of its investigations, in terms of its prosecutions. And that line has never been crossed. Hmm, I don't believe you. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Donald Trump is paying attention to all of this, and he seems to think. You would think. So I don't know that it's that clear, Kamala. I'm getting the sense that Donald Trump is paying attention to all of these cases that are revolving (laughs) around him. Um, a uh, passing casual interest. Mike, you're up next on the Grace Curley Show. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, Sometimes I just want to take this truck and drive it off the road. (laughs) You know, Grace, this lady... You know, if you remember right during when she was running for president, she called Biden a racist about, remember that when she was on the bus? And that she little was girl was me. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So she called him a racist and he, you know, he turned that around thinking, well, you know what? I'm going to make her my VP because I got to get away from that, that uh, label. But, you know, she's, you know, she's a do nothing vice president. Uh, if, if she was uh, an Ian Richards or Blackburn or somebody that had some intelligence, I wouldn't be down on her so much, but she's just filling a, a, a hole there. That's, that's nothing. And in regards to uh, Hunter, and that was really why I was calling, you know, you were right, right from the very beginning when you were talking about that, it's definitely, you know, a, a washing money, uh, look at this hand and don't look at the other hand because it's more than $5 million in artwork here. It just, that's a smokescreen. There's something else that's bigger and is somewhere in the dark that, that they're protecting. And they're, they're just looking. This is like a little fish. There's something else bigger that they're money laundering somewhere else. And that's what's going to be looked at. And I can't believe the Treasury Department, the IRS, no one, why haven't they moved on this? Because if it was any of us, we'd all be breaking rocks right now in Leavenworth. Exactly. I was just thinking to myself, can you imagine if there was a story about Mike or Jared or Grace having a friend who paid off like $5 million in back taxes? I don't, I don't think I'd be telling you my story 
from the microphone. I think I'd be in prison. And you're right. And people are aware of this double standard. And it's also insane. And I guess now this guy, Kevin Morris, Mike, I guess now he's he's filming a documentary about Hunter Biden. I don't know if they're going to try to make him. I, I have to assume they're going to try to make him into a sympathetic figure, which talk about a hard task. You'd have an easier time making Kamala Harris into a brilliant figure than making Hunter Biden into a sympathetic one. (laughs) This is from Jonathan Turley on the Hill. It says his counsel, Brian M. Sullivan, this is Kevin Morris's counsel, stated that Hunter is not only a client of Kevin's, he is his friend. And there is no prohibition against helping a friend in need. Despite, I love this, I love this. Despite the inability of these Republican chairmen and their allies to imagine such a thing. Oh, we can't all be as charitable and virtuous as Kevin Morris. There was no other charities. There was no other worthy causes that he could devote his money to besides helping out Hunter Biden. Buying Hunter Biden's artwork, paying off Hunter Biden's taxes. We're really supposed to believe that. The reason Republicans are attacking this is because they can't fathom being this give be, being this generous, Jared, being this caring, being I'm, this humane and decent. I'm pretty sure there are, in fact, laws against helping a friend if you receive improper influence at a governmental level. Yeah, it says the state. Now, I'm not a legal beagle, like Grace says. This this statement captures the problem for Morris. This is, you know, who is a legal beagle? Jonathan Turley. He broke this down pretty good. He said it's increasingly hard to determine what Morris was at any given moment. Democratic donor, lawyer, friend. Indeed, that problem that some of us have raised for months. Lawyers are not supposed to pay the bills for their clients. He later goes on to say friends have described Morris as a rule breaker. No wonder he's he feels such a connection with Hunter Biden. They're just two rebels without a cause. Friends have described Morris as a rule breaker and admit that his relationship with Hunter raises eyebrows. What? One friend said, certainly it's not careful. But he's a gunslinger. One person told the Los Angeles Times, this is how he rolls. Wild West pimp style. You know who else is a gunslinger? Hunter Biden. Likes to sling those guns right into the trash. But are we really supposed to believe that Kevin Morris is just, he's so pure of heart that he just couldn't help? Because if that's the case, like I want to redo my kitchen and I just think that Kevin Morris, if he can find this much generosity for his friend Hunter. I want to become friends with him. I need to go to one of these Hollywood parties and befriend a Kevin Morris. I need a sugar bro. Hunter Brian Biden has good friends. There must be something about him that people find really captivating. I don't know if it's the artwork. I just it's je ne sais quoi. It says Hunter calls him both his lawyer and his brother. Lead counsel Abby Lowell observed, I have never in any of my representations of any other client other than someone who is an immediate family member of one of my clients known anyone who is like Kevin. That's what Abby Lowell said. When the relationship began, Morris was playing the role of loyal Democratic donor. 
He was introduced to Hunter at a 2019 political fundraiser by another producer in Democratic deep pocket, Lynette Phillips. Soon thereafter, Morris was giving Hunter copious amounts of money and legal advice, as one does. You meet a friend at a party. You make a connection. You go, hey, do you like sports? You know, where do you work? What neighborhood do you live in? And then you soon start giving them millions of dollars in legal advice. It's a tale as old as time. Says that would include reportedly paying off Hunter's long delinquent taxes before criminal charges were filed. It also included paying for Hunter's lavish lifestyle. With friends like these, who needs a job? Like, why did Hunter even start doing the artwork? I always pay off the back taxes of somebody I just met a couple, like a week earlier. Yeah. Who doesn't do that, Grace? Nothing weird here. Nothing to see. 844-500-4242. We will. I want to read a little bit more from this because I like this story. I think it breaks it down. And now he's being cute and he's saying, well, Hunter could wash my car for the rest of his life. I, I think these people are, they think they're really funny and really clever And this is pretty serious stuff. I I know that they're used to getting away with everything because they're Democrats and, you know, they're they're important people. But still, it's a little too cute for my liking. We'll be right back with more. Don't go anywhere. Hi, it's Toby from Cape Gunworks. I'm taking all your firearm and self-defense questions every Tuesday. Join Grace and me for 2A Tuesday, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. This is the Grace Curley Show. Today's poll question is brought to you by the Wellness Company. All you have to do to be prepared is get your emergency medical kit from the Wellness Company. Go to twc.health/curly. When you use code Curly, you save ten percent. What is it, Jared? Do you think Social Security collection aid should be raised to help keep it solvent? No. 70% say no. 30% say yes. We'll be right back with more. Don't go anywhere.